Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 51, Gender Talk. We are broadcasting live. Well, I am live for me from the Power of Change Worldwide Headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Greetings, friends, man. It's good to be back. Summertime, Jesse Fury. He's on vacation. I can't make comments about the swim trunks he is wearing because I am not seeing them. I am not at the beach or wherever Jesse is. Hopefully, brother, you are in a restful place, liking pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about gender. And the reason why is on June 16th, uh, I tweeted this. Uh, I see Christians fighting each other over micro views differences on the complementary roles of men and women all the while the world and by that i mean the culture has abandoned all plausibility structures to sustain simple ideas like man slash woman marriage chastity sexual beauty family fathering mothering etc we need to sharpen our tools of presenting living and giving apologetic for these things. What troubles me is that all our energy and emotional focus is elsewhere and mostly intramural. In other words, uh, fighting one another. And my friend at Garrett Kell responded, I smell a podcast cooking. Well, we got that thing cooked up, uh, G Money, and we're going to do it today. Well, uh, before we get to that, I want to throw out a few shout outs, first of all, to uh, Greg and Nora Allison. Uh, Dr. Allison's a professor of theology, systematic theology at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and they have uh, graciously accommodated me in their home for many, many years. I was just recently there for a seminary class on applied ministry experience. Thank you, Nora, for hosting me. Uh, so graciously, and then I was uh, in Texas in a couple of different places, Nederland. Uh, uh, shout out to the Cornerstone uh, Mid County folks there planting that church in Nederland, Texas. Great to spend some time with you, as well as um, Matt and Lori Powell of Crossings Community Church over in Katy in the suburbs, uh, I guess, or the outer ring of Houston metro area. Katy's like a big city, actually, for a lot of places in the country. What an amazing area of the country, that Houston, Texas area. Very diverse, very global, very in its feel, very uh, metropolitan, huge place. Still a lot of trucks, though, still Texas. Um, it was a great trip. Um, traveling to these places recently in the last week. And I came home, and either it's because I slept in five different beds and about five different nights or airplanes all over the place, uh, I kind of came down with a little cold of some of the summer cold. A man flu, maybe. Uh, so, but apologies for my uh, sniffles. If they happen, I'm going to try not to cough on this. But I really had a great week. Now, back in Virginia, getting this pod shipped out to you guys before my oldest daughter, baby girl. I call her my baby duck. Kayla Joy and I head out to Guatemala with an Athletes in Action women's soccer team. You guys, if you're out there and you're praying, people pray for a brother. I'll be with... Uh, a high school girls soccer team uh, helping develop uh, women's sports, women's soccer in Guatemala, as well as sharing the grace and love of Jesus Christ with people, coaches, and athletes doing some camps and clinics. And it is an all-female squad. The team, the leadership team, the coaches, everybody except me, man. I'm rolling out. Uh, I, I told him I feel like I'm going to be the mascot, and one of the leaders said, well, maybe like the team dad. I'll take it. Well, before we get to our main topic today, we do have a little reviewish for you, and we have our my brother Michael Bond hooking it's us up with this. When 
not that into it, so sit right back. It's time for review-ish. We talk books and tech and movies and things, but don't care enough to write anything. It's not a review. We're not that into it, so sit right down. It's time for review-ish. Well, the review-ish section today does indeed uh, connect to something you've heard from me, and maybe if you follow me on social media, you may have seen recently. My brother gave me a red box smoker, so I've smoked some ribs, some Boston butts, pork shoulders, rib roasts, and last night I reverse sear smoked some ribeye steaks. Now, I can't smoke meat so often because it's expensive. I got to save up my pennies, man, to be able to smoke some good food. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I can't, and you don't, you shouldn't eat too much meat, apparently, according to my good friends. Uh, particularly, uh, my uh, good friend, Joy Fink's uh, Falzone up there in New Jersey, trying to hello Whole Foods on Instagram, trying to look out for my uh, diet. Thank you for that. But when you do smoke premium select meats from time to time, you need to have a good thermometer. Now, some people say, I don't use thermometers. I just go by feel. Well, the pros, the professional barbecue peoples, they go by temps. They check their temps on their outside, their inside, inside the meat, in the smoker. They care what temperatures are. And if you're doing steaks, unless you want to ruin them, like my friend Willie Pyle uh, does, he wants his well-done, medium-well burnt steak. If you don't want that, you don't want to overcook it, and so you're going to need a good thermometer. Now, you can get some at most uh, kitchen and stores and hardware stores, maybe buy brands like Weber. But I want to recommend a brand that uh, I found, and then my brother uh, seconded the recommendation, and he knows what he's talking about, a company called ThermoWorks. Thermo, T-H-E-R-M-O works w-r-k-s dot com and for me i bought the thermoworks blue dot thermometer it is a bluetooth enabled meat thermometer you put that joint right inside your steak you put a smoker on a certain temperature you walk away it'll beep your phone when it gets close to your temperatures where you want like a nice rare or medium rare you take it off sear it hot on the sides after you smoke some ribeyes that's what i did thermoworks you want a good thermometer man get that they they have something called the thermoworks pin i think it's called a pin it's like a quick two to three second read thermometer best in the industry apparently i was hoping to get it for father's day but i didn't but i'm not bitter about that i'm just glad i have kids that love me you know what i'm saying but uh the thermo pin hopefully be in my future but now i got that blue dot i put it in there let it sit for a long time and make sure we got our temperatures right man that's our reviews for today now on to something a little bit more hot episode 51 gender talk what i mean by that well as i mentioned my tweet was in reference to some recent complementarian combat going on within certain types of Christians that believe, right, that all these folks believe men and women have certain roles in the home and the church together, that men and women are distinct and different. But there's all this energy going into uh, battling uh, certain views about the scope and range of men and women in the church, so to speak. And so lots of tweeting, lots of energy, lots of fighting, lots of uh, aghast faces, lots of outrage, lots of Twitter beef uh, fodder that you might expect. And the thing that's ironic to me and what I tweeted for, to be quite honest, was, uh, was the second part that said, all the while the world or the broader culture, right, has abandoned all plausibility structures. Now, I'll get into what that means here in a moment. 
that make uh, the sustaining of simple ideas like a man or a woman are different, right? Uh, distinct. They're not just socially constructed that in marriage and chastity, sexual beauty, what our sexual powers are men for, family, fathering, mother. We've abandoned beliefs that make these things even possible. Plausibility structure comes from a sociologist, a sociologist of religion named Peter Berger. And in his writings, he said that, you know, there are certain beliefs you may. How do how do Christians believe that stuff or how do Mormons believe that stuff or how do, you know, whoever it is, believe that stuff? Well, he talks about uh, plausibility structures. There's certain family structures or life structures or certain beliefs that make other beliefs possible to believe. Let me give you a simple example. If, say, belief A is the truth that God exists, right? That is a necessary belief to make belief B, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, even plausible, right? So if you don't believe in God, if you were raised kind of in an atheistic educational system, maybe say like in Eastern Europe, communist countries were in the 19, 19, uh, 1900s, if you don't believe in God, you certainly cannot. It's not plausible. It's not possible for you to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, right? But if you do believe in God, the resurrection is at least plausible. Possibility to be investigated with, uh, uh, you know, some objectivity. I'll never forget uh, being in the Czech Republic. I was over there with a group of athletes, mainly from the Ivy League, and we were kind of traveling through the summer at the Olympic Training Center in the Czech Republic, training in our sports, and then also doing some uh, teaching and work in Christian apologetics, Christian thought, and how to thoughtfully engage people who have different beliefs than we do. And I'll never forget talking to one of the Czech volleyball guys, a coach, I believe. We were up in this uh, sports bar that was in the Olympic Training Center. And, you know, if, if say, for instance, you start out with, hey, God, you know, God loves you. And the answer is, God, we don't believe in God. Um, God loving you is not going to make sense to someone who doesn't yet believe in God. And so certain beliefs make other beliefs plausible, at least possible. <laughs> but if you don't have those plausibility structures, sometimes uh, other beliefs seem impossible for people. So, for instance, in our society, think about it, friends. In our society, there are people... Many times in academia, right, or in certain cultural influential places that think, right, that a man and woman are not real categories, but they are actually socially constructed things only. Now, you might think, well, of course, there's biology, right? We all believe in male and female biology as real categories. Well, apparently not. We live in a culture where if you want to say that men and women are real distinct categories that have uh, ontological or being or real reality categories, if you believe that, then having belief be that God has purposes for males and females and marriages and homes and churches together, that belief would at least be plausible or possible. But if you don't believe, right, that these are real distinct categories... Well, talking about what a man or woman in marriage is or a home life or the roles of men and women together serving in the church or the mission of Jesus, well, we've got a lot more work to do, don't we? Think about it for a second. This is our current contemporary culture. You know, you have the rugby player who's fired 
uh, Israel Falau, I believe his name is. Apologies if I butchered that. In Australia, he's fired because uh, you know he he put a Bible verse about you know liars and swindlers and drunkards and homosexuals and all this will will perish in hell. Right? He's quoting that and he loses his job uh, because he has said something about sexual sexuality, sexual orientation, and preferences. Uh, in such a way that's just intolerable, not tolerable. So you lose your job. He and he happens to be one of the best players in the whole country. Uh, we see gender in sports, right? We got dudes with full junk in their spandex running uh, sprint races and beating females, and they're fully male, but they are female, transgender women. Uh, we see uh, younger generations claiming pansexuality, high, higher and higher, or kind of mixed sexualities. On sexuality campaigns, we got craziness of how sexual uh, aggression or sexual predatory behavior in our culture, Me Too, Church Too, is happening. If you listen to this podcast, you heard about MGTOW, men going their own way. We have radical feminism. We have disposable families. We say families not uh, that is optional or uh, discardable. This is like our culture, right? This is this is our civilization current beliefs now how do we sustain such radicalness how do we sustain such radical concepts like i'm a follower of jesus i have radical ideas of what a man and a woman being distinct different and valuable before god what marriage is the beauty of chastity or self-control with our sexual powers or the beauty of the act of marriage where to become one flesh and unity physically emotionally spiritually for the for the purpose right of unifying male and female in marriage in this wonderful promised made kept covenant of marriage for the uh, propagation of the species whereby which babies right that's where they come from this union of sexual beauty and family and fathers and what what what's the role of a father in uh, mothering, what's the role of a mother? These radical concepts. Uh, we live in a culture where we need to help people see these as plausible and then hopefully as beautiful. Now, my follow-up tweet was that we need to sharpen our tools of presenting, that means presenting to others, living out and giving an apologetic, making a defense of these things. And what was troubling me and is troubling me is that our energy, and this is many times from uh, leaders, right? Our energy and emotional focus is elsewhere and mostly intramural. In other words, we're scrapping within a certain small group of people that's getting smaller, maybe, in America, uh, about these small nuances. Now, look, man, I, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't care about these things. I actually think you should live and teach and defend these things that you believe. And even if yours beliefs are slightly different on these things, I still think in your own life or your own community and your own churches, you ought to uh, present, teach, and live out these things and give an apologetic for them. But I do think as a whole, if you hold such radical concepts as man and woman, marriage, chastity, sexual beauty, these kinds of things, if you hold these views, we need to get better, right, at presenting them, living them out, in making a reasonable defense for them. I'm going to close today with these three categories, living out, presenting, and giving an apologetic for what I mean by live these things out. Well, 
I don't know where each of you grew up or how you grew up or what kind of uh, viewpoints you had on these things, gender talk or gender realities. Um, but if you have a position today that you believe, one of the best things we can do is live these things with one another. Kids, marriage, family, right? I'll never forget. Uh, I became a follower of Jesus. I was 20 years old uh, in college on a wrestling scholarship, studying applied science, physics, computer science, these kinds of things, mathematics. And I became a Christian, right? I became a follower of Jesus in that season. And one of the interesting things for me was seeing another family that was very different than mine, that had kind of, well, you know, hey, we're trying to live out these views under the rule and reign of Jesus, right? Trying to live live a thing called marriage or you know, family, kids, parents, those kinds of things. Not a perfect family. Shout out to uh, Mike and Kim X and Camper and all their crew. But a family with a different view than the world around us at times and seeing something in the flesh is compelling right um you know you kind of run we want to have our families be these little outposts these little places right these little contexts our families our churches which are families of families and singles and all kind of people young and old living out a life together we want these places to stand out in the world to be different to be uh, places where like, wow, people say, well, this is different. And they, you know, they're trying to do something here that I haven't seen. Even a place to find refuge uh, and love and compassion from one another. So we want to have these uh, things seen in the world. Well, live your singleness in a certain way. Live your, uh, with your bodies in a certain way. Live out a commitment to be a husband or be a wife in a certain way with the way you Mother and father, children, uh, be according to your precepts, O oh God, right? That we might have a living picture of something beautiful. When we think about it, this indeed is what God intended. Both uh, single people, married people, together as a covenant family with God as Father, living out something different in the world. Live it out, friend. Well, presenting. Now, what I mean by presenting is that when someone asks you for your views on something, well, what do you think about transgender athletes? You can send them to the Gospel Underground podcast. No, I'm just kidding. What do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about pansexuality? What do you think about genderqueer? What do you think about this or that? Well, let me let me just quote... Um, Admiral Akbar from Star Wars, Episode 4, New Hope. If somebody asks us a blunt question, we need to think in our mind, it's a trap. <laughs> in other words, many times there's nothing you really can say unless you conform to the orthodoxy that's being demanded by you from your questioner, right? What do you think about this? Does God, why does God not accept gay people? You answer that bluntly with a short answer and answer without any context, that's a trap, friends. It's not going to go well either in what we would actually like to communicate or the answer that's desired perhaps by our friends. And so when presenting them views about gender and marriage and sexuality, when presenting them, we want to avoid blunt answers, short answers, and answers without context, right? Uh, 
And so one of the things Jesus did often uh, in his life is someone asked him a, what you might say, a difficult questions culturally, right? People asked him difficult cultural questions because they were trying to trap him into saying, oh, look, look, look what he says. Look what he believes. Get him. That kind of stuff, right? You know, people do that. Instead of answering with a short answer with no context, Jesus many times answered with questions. With questions. Read the Gospels and you will find this in his life. And so for me, somebody asked me, do I think God accepts this, that, or the other, whatever configuration is in vogue in the world today, I typically ask a question in return. What do you think, you know, sexuality is? (laughs) What do you think a man is? What do you think a female is? One, it allows people to articulate their views and to see for us whether they actually have a view or just kind of trying to echo soundbite orthodoxy from the cultural powers that be, right? And it also gives us insight into maybe the heart of people and why they care and why we want to love and how we might answer this person who's asking us a question. Well, we return a question so we can learn and and be empathetic and maybe see what's going on in the heart a little bit more to, to have time to pray have time to ask God's Spirit to speak into our own uh, situation in the real, right, in the real time, that we might be ready, First Peter 3.15, to give a reason for the hope that we have, to give a reason, that's a given apologetic, and to do so what? First Peter 3.15, with gentleness and respect. Respect for what? Persons, people image of God standing before us, interacting with us, or behind the phone on the Twitter. There is image of God behind that, friends. Most of the time, right? We see that. You might think you're tweeting with a demon, but most likely you are not. I'm not going to get into the cases where you might be, but that's another that's another podcast, perhaps. Given an apologetic, how do we present maybe what we would consider, right, the truth about gender and sexual beauty and these things like marriages, husbands, wives, moms, and dads. Well, we want to share a story. We don't want to give a soundbite. So after we've asked people questions, there are times where it says, well, what do you actually believe about these things? Well, we want to then share some very large context, friends, with others, right? We don't want to just say, you know, don't have sex with that, right? Why shouldn't I have a sex with a, with a, with a uh, sheep or a chicken? Or goat. Well, well, that's nasty. Well, let's share. Let's share the beautiful biblical story of creation, community, and compliments of one another in this life. God created everything, particularly male and female image, image and likeness. This means that we have a certain capacity, emotion, intellect, will to fulfill a certain role to represent the rule and reign of God on the earth. And we do that in community, in context, male and female together, same image of God, different, right, uh, men and women together building a community where our bodies complement one another, our souls are meant to be unified in things like marriages and to extend the human race on the earth for these same purposes, right? Uh, in the biblical story, in that what God gives us, there's no war between married people and single people. There's no battle of the sexes. 
where men and women are uh, in this battle for power and resources and, you know, press clippings or something like that. Man, no way. There's a, a co-heirs of the gracious gift of life, men and women together in homes, in churches, in communities. One of the things that I felt was beautiful when I, when I, when I became a Christian was to see that relationships can have a roadmap. Now, not exhaustively. Like, there's no instruction in the Bible for how to, uh, you know, fight about, you know, whether or not I should have spent that much money last night on ribeye steaks, right? <laughs> there's no roadmap for that. But there are biblical principles for how we should love and serve one another, how we should interact, how we should uh, truth tell, how we should repent of our own sins. I did not repent of buying those ribeyes. Don't think it was sinful. Um, how we should engage one another in relationship and even particular relationships, right? Uh, friendships, marriages, families. And if a relationship has a roadmap, we have someone who we can follow the designer of the relationship, the ordainer of the marriage covenant, for example. And that for me, being a husband, I got married to, in what today's uh, world would say is young. I was 23 years old. Now, whether that was young or old, that's a cultural question, right, for getting married. But, you know, most people would say 23 is getting married young. My wife skipped like a grade in elementary school. She uh, didn't go to college as many years as I did, so she was very young uh, when we got married. Uh, she was 21 years old. Now, for us, knowing that that relationship was ordained by God, designed by God, and purposed by God for his, uh, his, his reality, his purposes in the world, was a great, great help to us. When the little babies came home and they, you know, you're like, okay, Mr. Uh, police Officer, can you see if I installed my car seat correctly? Well, that's a nerve-wracking moment, is it not, moms and dads? <laughs> yes, you did. Put a little foam here. It'll make it better. All right, good. Got to buckle them in, throw them in the car. You just had a baby. Take that baby home. Is there a road map? Well, the gospel says there is. That those little boys, little girls... Uh, have a purpose for God's uh, kingdom and that we raise them in the discipline and instruction that he gives. For us, we want to tell a story. We don't want to enter blunt questions. We want someone else to ask us, well, what do you really think about this stuff? It's not just that we hate X, Y, LGBTQ+. We don't, man. Man, I first funeral I ever did, friends. First one, man, as a young minister, was my cousin who was an active out homosexual that died of AIDS. And I did a funeral with my family members there. Golly, I'm going to get emotional on a podcast. My family members there, his friends there, um, and I'm standing there before my aunt, Aunt Teresa, crying, right? We'll put our business out there too much. But uh, love my cousin, love him in every phase of his life. I got no hate in my heart for LGBTQ+, plus. None, no hate in my heart for him. Um, but I have a different view of male and female, image of God, the use of our bodies, and what that purpose is. And I want to share that story in the context of loving relationship in a community maybe where we're living that together with our own uh, wives, kids, husbands, families, things like that.
and welcoming others and not simply pushing them away. So should we fight over the minutia between certain Christian views of this or that? I'm not saying you shouldn't fight about it. I'm saying I'm not even saying you shouldn't tweet about it. But we should be giving our intellectual powers, our emotional strength, our intellectual energy, our love towards how we engage the issue for real in our lives, how we teach, how we endure, how we interact with other people in the real, right? In our families, in our communities, in our churches. If we're not giving our focus and energy to living it out, presenting well, giving an apologetic for these things, we might just waste our time fighting in the intramural game while the world arounds us, around us continues a decay which will make the beauty of the truths about these things look dimmer and dimmer in their eyes. I think that distraction is what perhaps was uh, in the heart of the Apostle Paul when he wrote to a young pastor guy who he was training named Timothy when he said, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, Twitter people, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. That is our hope, friends, is it not, that we want to see God grant repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, our self-sufficiency, our sinfulness, our rebellion. When it comes to an end and we come to a knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, we might see differently the world around us full of hurting people, right? hurting one another, hurting their bodies, being harmful and hateful. And there are, you know, there are followers of Jesus that are this way. Not gentle, not respectful, not kind, not loving to people who have different ideas than them. There is another way, friends. It is the way of Jesus, the Nazarene, friend of sinners. God raised him from the dead. He is our king. He is the one in charge. He is the one we follow in both grace, kindness, and truth, unflinching convictions about such things. Thanks, friends. Hit us up on iTunes. Five-star reviews are acceptable. The Gospel Underground is a joint production. A power change in the Bonhoeffer House. Send your feedback, comments, questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Maybe on Twitter. Maybe not in the middle of a crazy Twitter beef. Maybe loving your family. Maybe serving your community. Maybe adorning the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ with your life as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a kid, as a parent, as a single person loving the gospel together in community. We hope to see you out there, friends. Peace.